Um, welcome everybody to uh, Masterclass, a Masterclass at the Newcastle Writers' Festival uh, Memory and Monuments. I'm going to be hosting this session. My name is Richard Neville and I am the um, Mitchell Librarian at the State Library of New South Wales and we're presenting this on behalf also of the History Council of New South Wales. Um, you can see on the uh, screens there we have three presenters but there's actually only two of us here so we have to um, offer apologies for Dr Tamsin Peach who uh, unfortunately has had to uh, go to Melbourne to attend a, a family drama. So today um, we're just, well not just going to have but we are going to have uh, Dr Stephen Gaps who's the Curator of Environment, Chipping and Industry at the National Maritime Museum and you may have probably certainly most certainly heard of his most recent work, uh, The Sydney Wars, which was published last year, I think, yeah. And um, uh, Nancy, Dr. Uh, Associate Professor Nancy Cushing, who is uh, the School of Humanities and Social Science at the University of Newcastle, and is also a well-known, I suppose, Newcastle historian and environmental historian as well. Um, there are a few little um, things, a few housekeeping tips before we get going. Uh, mobile phones, obviously, um, are to be turned off if, um, if you could. Uh, if you're going to follow this on social media or comment on social media, the Twitter handle is uh, New Writers Fest, at New Writers Fest, and the hashtag is MNWF19. So if you're going to be using any of those tags. Um, there's obviously the book, book signings, I think, are available. Um, both our presenters do have books over in the bookstore in the um, uh, Newcastle City Hall, so um, certainly a good idea to head down there to have a look at and see what else is available. So um, today's session is really, I suppose, looking at the quite contentious issue at the moment of memory and monuments. Um, perhaps it has been, uh, particularly in an Australian context, context most exemplified by the uh, commemoration, celebration, which some would want, um, acknowledgement of the arrival of Captain Cook in 1770, which was 250 years ago, and um, the difference in the way we now view that um, event to its bicentenary in 1770, which I have vague memories of. It's a very different um, sort of experience. So part of what this session will be looking at is how we now view uh, significant monuments and how we indeed uh, look at the way we um, view, I suppose, history in a sense, the memory of history. Um, obviously, uh, statues in particular have been a major talking point around the world. Um, there are some iconic images of the statue of Saddam Hussein being pulled down after the end of the, I think it was the Second Iraq War. Um, we obviously have had in America the issue around uh, Confederate statues in the South, what should happen to those. Uh, there was a movement to uh, Oriel College in Oxford wanted, or some of its students wanted to remove the statue of Cecil Rhodes, who was um, variously viewed. He was obviously the person who gave a lot of money to the college, so the college was invested in maintaining his memory. The students felt, uh, one student described Rhodes as the, as the Hitler of Africa, and why would you want to uh, keep a statue of Hitler um, in uh, English university? Ultimately, the college decided to um, leave the statue there and its response to it was that you can't eradicate a visible aspect of history, but you can contextualise it. So the, the decision there was 
Um, and apparently the fact that $100 million was tied, $100 million pounds was tied to the decision had nothing to do with it. But uh, the decision there was that uh, they would contextualise both the statue and its uh, plaques around it. Um, recently, I think it was in 2017, when the statues of Captain Cook were vandalised, well, not vandalised, but, um, but uh, you know, were, were changed or, or people decided to comment on them with spray paint um, in the Hyde Park statue, and that um, seemed to unleash a kind of visceral of immediate hostility and, I think, a gr great degree of uh, support as well. To, to that event, the, um, the Prime Minister got... Into, uh, sort of straight away involved and um, it's clearly an issue that is very difficult to resolve, very difficult to, uh, and we've seen I think over the, particularly sadly over the last month or so, how sort of feral that debate and ultimately how it's kind of tragic it can get to. But they're important questions, um, how we memorialise people now, uh, how we feel as institutions, um, the State Library of New South Wales is clearly a uh, a kind of memory institution, but I think many Indigenous First Nations people would say it's a colonial institution. Its records celebrate the colonial enterprise, um, and how do we uh, how do we address those? How do we decolonise them? The, the library itself is surrounded by two statues. We have Math uh, Governor Burke out the front, who uh, was his was erected in 1842. Burke was a very popular um, Tory or a Whig governor, um, and his, his sculpture was um, paid for by public subscription, which was very rapidly filled. Um, the statue was located, was initially supposed to go into Hyde Park, but uh, the government architect of the day felt that Hyde Park was too... Um, the impact of the statue would be lost. It was made in England by a prestigious English sculptor, and its site where it now sits is probably 100 metres from where, from where it first landed and the idea was that it would look over the harbour, it would look over Government House and it would look over the kind of the, um, the apparatus of government that was in Macquarie Street. So it had this very symbolic value and it's on a very high plinth and the idea, an unusually high plinth and the idea is that it would have this perspective over, over the citizens of Sydney and it was obviously also on kind of prime Eora land which was a, probably a dancing ground so the kind of irony behind that is perhaps only more recently become apparent. On the other side of the building, we have uh, Matthew Flinders. The library agreed to erect the statue of Matthew Flinders, uh, and I think it paid about £1,200 on the condition... Of, it was the condition of acquiring the Matthew Flinders papers. So unless we uh, put up a statue to Flinders, we were not going to get the papers. Um, that statue has remained relatively uncontroversial, I suppose. In the early 90s, I think it was Vaughan Evans, uh, who is a prominent volunteer both here and at the National Maritime Museum, uh, Vaughan Evans um, arranged for a statue of Trim to be erected on a kind of on one of the ledges next to um, next to Flinders. And of course, when Flinders' uh, remains were discovered a couple of months ago, people began to ask why there is not a statue of Bungaree, who is surely more important than Trim, um, outside the library. And that's certainly a very live question. It's certainly something the library is quite um, prepared to address. Uh, the coming it up with some form of design is going to be obviously be the challenging part and will, needless to say, involve a good deal of community consultation. But I suppose, um, you know, would it be a figurative sculpture? Has figurative sculpture... Where, where do we now see figurative sculpture? Most of the figurative sculptures 
we now see tend to be around sporting stadia, I think, and, um, you know, where famous sportsmen are remembered in bronze. So they're all... Monuments themselves, I think, raise fascinating questions about why and how uh, we choose to remember the past, celebrate the past, and, and carry the past into the future. So the 